What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, not joined by David Lake today. I'm actually joined by the new guy here at Inside the U, Gabby Yerudia. Gabby, I hope I said that right. I, I just pronounced it a few times in my head. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. No, you killed it, man. You you, you killed it with the pronouncing. A lot of, most people get it get it get it much worse the first time. So I thought you did pretty well there. <laughs> um, so Gabby is a new. I guess what is your title? Staff writer here uh, yeah. for 24/7 Sports. He um, is going to cover the Miami Hurricanes moving forward, focusing primarily on the recruiting. But Gabby, I know you have been in this this industry, this field. Um, for a little bit, you were, you were doing some work at, at State of the U. So why don't you kind of give us just a little introduction and, and kind of open open the door and tell us about yourself? Yeah. So um, I started with I started with State of the U. I would say roughly two years ago, a little over two years ago. And in the beginning, I was just doing a lot of just like blogging and stuff like that, like just like kind of like one article a week, just to kind of uh, just as kind of like a platform to just you know just say what I wanted to say about about um football because that's always been something that i've been i've been pretty passionate about so and then you know like leading into everything like cam cam underwood who's the managing editor over there he kind of gave everyone opportunity to to go into the press box so i got a little bit of that experience and it was something that i enjoyed greatly like i kind of i kind of started realizing like you know this is something that i really want to pursue this is something that i want to see if i can take a step further more than just you know blogging a couple times a week so uh, when spring practice rolled around the following year before last season, so the 2019 season, um, I reached out to Cam and I was just like, hey, man, like if it's possible, um, like I would like to, to, to like to be there for spring practice. Like I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't really know what that would like that that would like mean for me and like just and all that. But I just knew it was something that I wanted to do. So uh, I saw like I, I was seeking that opportunity. He gave it to me and pretty much I was just. I was just kind of on the beat, you know. I didn't really know what to, I didn't really know what to do or what I was like expecting to do there. So I just kind of, kind of learned on the run, and it, it became something that that I, I grew to really, really enjoy. And I didn't really see it as work. I saw it as an opportunity to really, um, you know, just put myself out there to really meet some people and to just try to like take my best swing at at this whole journalism thing. And um, I, I really, really grew a, a deep, deep connection to it. And all that and you know I, again like i want to take a step further and you know just throughout all that time uh, i i'm here now so I, I i guess everything worked out pretty well well i, I think that's a that's a pretty good uh, intro that would that would serve well for your wikipedia page if Definitely. you ever have one yeah yeah have one one day <laughs> so let's, let's kind of talk about the format of this show i guess real quick i mean it's been a while i know since we've put out a podcast that's that's kind of on me um just just I've been trying to work through some ideas, um, but hopefully we're going to be back on, on schedule here with, with Gabby uh, and David moving forward. I mean, there's not much obviously going on just kind of with the coronavirus and, and, and um, everyone being in a stay at home order. But the plan is to keep keep pumping out podcasts. I'm trying to line up some more uh, interviews like I did with DJ Dallas. So what we're planning to talk about on this podcast is uh Gabby, you know, put in his first crystal ball pick on the crystal balls. So we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, on the front end and on the back end. I think we're going to get into some uh, some team things. So, Gabby, before we get into that that crystal ball pick I teased, I, I, I believe, are you finishing up school at, at FIU? 
Yeah, so I'm 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 still in school. I I don't graduate till till the summer, and so that's something that that I'm kind of still like working through and all that while I'm, I'm kind of juggling both of those things at the same time. But yeah, oh, I, just, I just want to point that out because I went to FAU, so we got an FAU guy and an FIU guy talking about talking about Miami, Miami on this part. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure those part- that participate in the Shula Bowl wouldn't be very proud of that. <laughs> Oh yeah, the Shulable podcast. Yeah, they'd probably uh, they'd probably be a little upset. Um, so tell me about this this crystal ball pick that you put in. I think it was Sunday, so that'll been a few days ago. We're taping this on. I honestly don't even know what today is. I think it's a Tuesday right now. I think um, it's Wednesday. What, or was uh, it Tuesday? It's Wednesday. Oh wow. <laughs> it's, it's, I, all I, this time is just <laughs> it's so fuzzy. Everything's all fuzzy. Um, so yeah, you had it up on, on, on our site, miami.247sports.com. You, you popped your crystal ball cherry. Tell me who it is, why you did it, and just kind of what you're, you're hearing, your first real intel for our, uh, for our listeners. Yeah, so I put, my, I put my first crystal ball in for, for Ryan Rodriguez, uh, the center out of Miami Christopher Columbus. And I did it just because I felt that I, I just felt like he was one of those guys that he's just going to end up in this class. I feel like, you know, especially with this quarantine that you're not able to take a lot of visits. I feel like Miami did a really good job of identifying him kind of before anybody else and did a good job of getting him on campus. And just what, like he talks about how he wants to take his visits. And I'm not saying that he's going to commit tomorrow, but I do think that when it's all said and done, I, I just when he, when he when he when he speaks about Miami, he kind of speaks about Miami like as if he's already going there. Like even when I was talking to him, he's like, "Oh, when I get to college and start working out with David Feely, uh, you know, I'm gonna get bigger and I'm gonna get stronger. Maybe I don't only play center. Maybe I could also play guard. I could also play guard." And and it's like you know he, the way he's kind of talking about Miami when he does choose to talk about them, kind of like it it kind of stood out to me. And it's like you know I know that you had had your crystal ball in there for him already, and just hearing him talk about that just kind of like sold me that. Yeah, he might take his visits. He might be wanting to look elsewhere, and he might be waiting for a couple things to to kind of come together. But I think when it's all said and done, the the kid's a hurricane. I I would agree. I mean, I know he told you the one school that has shown some interest, or, or the one Miami fans should be worried about. It seems like it's it's LSU, right? Yeah, he was saying that he'd been talking to to the LSU offensive line coach pretty much every day. He said that he that he was on the phone with uh, Coach Orgeron which is a huge deal. And I kind of talked to him about that. And he was even, like, I expected him to kind of be like, oh man, it was crazy. Like all the stuff. He was like, yeah, it was cool. Like, so I feel like he, he's feeling the love from LSU, but I feel like at the end of the day, his heart's kind of, kind of in Miami. And that's why I went ahead and did that. Uh, I mean, it should be noted that LSU hasn't even offered yet. So, um, and, and LSU is recruiting at an obscene level right now. Like they, they don't recruit. I, I kind of say the kind of draft guys they want. So they just go around and be like, all right, we're going to we're going to take you. We're going to get one of these guys. And, um, you know, so I, who knows if, if they're going to have space for him. And I, I'm not saying Ryan, Ryan Rodriguez can't play at LSU. I just think, you know, they have they have their pick of the litter right now, just kind of given what they did with Joe Burrow and, and that type of season that I, I just don't know if it's going to get to the point um, where they have to take Ryan Rodriguez. Uh, Gabby, you saw ryan because you were there with me at the under armor camp um i guess that was last month in south florida i mean thank god you went to that because it could be a while before you see some of these kids again (laughs) (laughs) um i i had ryan ryan down as a top performer you know he was excellent that day i think he went 14 and one uh in one-on-ones and i get it but one-on-ones are not padded that's not football but it's it's a good 
way to kind of see how kids bend and whatnot. What was your takeaway on Ryan Rodriguez? Because I thought he was definitely one of the more impressive uh, just overall prospects at the camp. I mean, we're not even talking like just linemen. Like I would have lined it if we were assembling a team like I don't know how you how you would have walked out of there and not been like, I, I need that guy on my roster. Yeah, I completely agree. That was one of those kids I left kind of impressed with. And when I got there, of course, that was my first like ma- major recruiting, probably my first recruiting event in general. So um, I know he was someone that Miami had his eye on. And so I definitely wanted to take a good look at him. And I, I was honestly, I was, I was really, really impressed. I didn't expect him to move the way he did. I expected him to be kind of like maybe like a project for them that they figure, hey, maybe this kid can turn into something. But I mean, the kid moved well. He really held his own. And I think his only loss, if I remember correctly, came to like Leonard Taylor. And I mean, that's just going to happen when you're when you're facing a, a five star defensive lineman. But I mean, he, he really was impressive. Uh, I really like you said he was a top performer. I fully agree. I would have put him on my first team all camp if there was such a thing. And so he's someone that I'm actually, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, when, when Miami started recruiting him, I mean, I went to school down the road from Columbus, like literally across the street from Columbus. So when I think of like Columbus football in general, I think of like Dion Bush, who was like kind of like a secondary guy. And it's like, okay, that's the type of talent that Columbus can produce. I think of like, you know, Brandon Ratcliffe, and then, like, when I hear offensive linemen from Columbus, I think, like, okay, s- small Cuban guys that are just blocking because, <laughs> you know, that, that's that's really what it is. It's in the middle of Westchester. Like, it's a it's a pretty Hispanic area. So I heard Ryan Rodriguez from Columbus. Mm, I was naturally a little bit skeptical. But actually watching him in person, it really just – I mean, he sold me. He really did sell me. He really sold me, like, on the spot. What what high school did you go to? I went to, I went to Florida Christian. Okay. Yeah, it's, they, they weren't. They, they do. They were never good at football. When I was there, like it was like one or two wins a season. Like it kind of sucks because I never really got like that Friday night lights experience just because like the football team wasn't good. But I mean, the baseball team was, and that's what I went there for. So I mean, that, that's that's kind of like it was more. It's, I think it's still definitely a baseball school. Follow follow up question on this because you mentioned it. Is it, it? Have I been saying this wrong ever since I started on this beat? Is it? Do I should I pronounce it Christopher Columbus or can I just roll with? Columbus or do you not know oh I just roll with Columbus it's always just Columbus like I'm, I've never I don't think I've ever referred to I, I think maybe I did just now just because I feel like it's a <laughs> general audience but like in my day-to-day life I would like I just refer to them as Columbus like it's just Columbus and even like on their uniform it just says Columbus like every time I played them in baseball it was Columbus like I've never heard anything else but Columbus um I the other thing with Ryan and you kind of touched on this just about Columbus over the years, or I guess more traditionally having smaller linemen, is I think the technique for some of the kids coming out of that school is is very dialed in, specifically on the offensive line. Like when I think of um, programs that are well coached in South Florida, like Columbus is at the top of the list. I mean, I always go back in my head really to the state title game, the 8A state title game um, this past, what was that, December? You know, when they were trailing Apopka and that they found a way to rally. And I think that that's a big testament to coaching. And I just think that almost transfers over to the, the play of Ryan Rodriguez, like from a, a technique and, and a fundamentally st- standpoint, like he um, is right there. And that, that's a good thing. I, I think if you're Miami, I mean, we saw this past season two true freshman offensive linemen play in Ja'Kai Clark and Zion Nelson. And I would absolutely argue right now that, um, Ryan is a little bit further ahead in, in development 
just when it comes to knowing what to do. Now, I'm not saying he's as big as them or he's going to start early on in his career, but that's something I definitely like. And uh, I, I think some schools kind of look for that on the recruiting trail. They want guys who are coachable, and Ryan seems to be that type of individual. Yeah, I just think Columbus is one of those places that's just in every sport. They just they've always been organized. They always have their ducks in a row. And so just hearing something like that coming, I, I, especially coming from you, that you've watched more Columbus than than I definitely have. And I mean, it, it's not surprising, you know, especially like just from a school like that. That's kind of like a factory, especially at this point with all the facilities that they have. I mean, I don't know if you've got a chance to actually go over there, but it's I mean, the place is beautiful for a high school. It's it, they have all the resources in the world. So, I mean, that that's something I definitely expect from Columbus. And, you know, even recently in these in these past few classes, they've been they've been starting to actually produce these types of talents. You saw C.J. Henderson. You see you see Bandy. You see the, the younger Henderson now. And they're just starting to become one of those schools where kids down here are starting to realize that this is a place where we can win and imagine this was their first state title in school history i can imagine that this is probably the beginning of of a pretty good run for columbus i think they have a chance to have three guys drafted uh in april henderson josh uchi the, yeah, the kid uchi. from michigan and, yep. and bandy um one thing before we kind of move on from ryan and i, I guess this is going going a fork in the road uh, going in the other direction but you were on last week um the very COVID-19 era style interview with uh, Garen Justice over Zoom, Miami's new offensive line coach. Uh, and I know you asked him some recruiting questions. You wrote about it on the website. Um, but one of the big things he said was that he feels like South Florida kind of has enough talent on the offensive line um, to, to get it done. And I don't know necessarily if the previous offensive staff kind of agreed or aligned with that. And I'm talking specifically about Butch Berry. You know, he was very picky. Uh, me and David have detailed it in at length in, in previous podcasts about how we felt like uh, Miami was maybe overlooking some of the local kids and, and making the wrong move. But it sounds like Garen Justice is all about giving these local kids kind of a chance and that includes ryan rodriguez yeah and i think that's important i mean we, we saw we saw a bunch of we saw a bunch of linemen go to different schools you know this past cycle and i'm not saying all of them would have come to miami but i think miami definitely should have probably done a better job with with a few of them and yeah i think that i think it's big that i, I just think miami should always start in south florida you know like i just think that like you you got to look in your backyard first i mean the stats don't lie i think the the first and second highest producing cities for NFL talent are Miami and Fort Lauderdale. So you're going to have more talent available to you than literally anybody else in the country. Like it's not even close. Like obviously they're all coming down here and a few of them are picking, picking away who they want, but there's no excuse from an evaluation standpoint to overlook, especially a position of need like that and a position that you're constantly trying to build. There's no reason to overlook that in your backyard, you know? So I really like that, that Garen just said that. And he even said that Manny Diaz, asked him that during his interview he said that was actually one of the first questions he got in general was how do you feel about south florida offensive linemen and he kind of he kind of talked about you know being he formerly coached at fau so being at least semi-familiar with the area like he said that all five of his starting uh, fau linemen from his like they broke like the conference usa rushing record all five of his linemen were from south florida really two of them were from day two of them were palm beach and like what all the other one was from tampa but they're all like Florida guys. So I think he recognizes that there's talent down here. 
He recognizes that there's that there's guys to be had down here that could be for Miami, that could help Miami win. And especially in this up tempo offense, I think that there's I think that I think that he could fit it so that it, it really benefits Miami with just, you know, the athleticism of guys down here. Even some of the bigger guys are just naturally more athletic because they're training in this heat and they're doing all those things and they're able to move faster if they're willing to work it. So I think that I, I really like what he said about all that. I think that it's definitely a, a positive step forward, especially coming from Butch Berry and all those things that you were just mentioning about how picky he was and they kind of ended up coming around and biting him and biting him in the ass a little bit after so i think that that's huge now now i gotta throw the explicit on the uh on the podcast oh you. sorry bro <laughs> no i absolutely agree i mean uh like i said i mean i guess maybe some people had no idea i i, I went to fau but i did um I, I covered the team when i was in school there uh i i I have friends that are, are diehard supporters and, and season ticket holders. So, you know, I, I'm somewhat tied in to what goes on in Boca Raton. So I've known about Garen Justice uh, for a while. I, I know the type of lineman he's recruited down here. And I just think this, what he made a lot of sense for Miami. Um, and th- what you brought up about Manny Diaz asking him about recruiting South Florida, I think is very important. I think that is Manny kind of taking a step back evaluating what everything that happened in year one of his tenure and being like hey this is probably not working so i need to find some guy that's going to work and i think that is a good um correction and and self self scouting from uh from manny um before we get into a quick commercial break and kind of flip this towards towards team talk i i think me and you would both agree right now that ryan rodriguez is probably the one target that is on commit watch right now, or, or we think could commit at some point soon. Um, and, and by soon, I mean, that might be two months or so. I think uh, last I heard from someone I that's kind of plugged into the recruitment, they think it might be June, early June when he makes a, an announcement. Um, Gabby, I know you haven't really talked to a ton of guys, but is there anyone else out there that you have interacted with or you think um, Miami might be in a good spot for? And I know again, uh, it's kind of difficult because you're just working kids on the phone. But anyone, uh, anyone you want to bring up, or should I kind of default to default to me? Uh, I would say, I mean, I think that there's a couple guys that might be interested. Um, I think, I think when I was talking, like, like I think DeQuan Johnson is the corner out of Jensen Beach. I think he's someone that, I mean, my, I'm not sure if Miami's late to the game. You know, like a lot of schools are kind of offering right now. But he see, he was someone that grew up in a in a Miami household. I mean, he has his brother and his sister that are both Miami fans. And he said when he got the offer that both of them were really excited about it. Like, you know, he said there, there was kind of, it was kind of like a mini celebration in his household. Um, he did say that he didn't really like he, he said he grew up rooting for them if they were playing, but that he was a, he wouldn't call himself a fan. He said he was a fan of all the state schools in Florida and he actually grew up rooting for Tennessee. So I don't know how much weight to carry in that. But you, you know that that Daquan John, uh, Gonzalez is in a is in a household where, you know, they might be pro Miami. So that's something to probably watch out for moving forward. But then I know I know you got your guy that that you believe is <laughs> is uh, is pretty close. Yeah, well, just just to follow up on Daquan Gonzalez, um, if you guys haven't kind of read about him or, or punched his name into Google, I'd highly recommend doing that. He's a kid who has seen his stock absolutely explode during this uh, dead period. Um, a, a, a playmaking defensive back out of Jensen Beach, was re- which is right there in, in Stewart, Florida. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how involved Miami gets. And yeah, the one guy I, I wanted to bring up 
is Alan Hay, who is a, a the three-star defensive tackle at, at Chaminade Madonna Prep right there in Hollywood, Florida. I mean, if you follow Miami Hurricane football and recruiting, you know, this is a, a pipeline feeder school for the Hurricanes. Um, uh, they, they signed two kids out of there uh, two cycles ago, and, and Keontre Smith and to Corey Couch, Andre Borregales, the kickers committed there. Uh, Thad Franklin, the running backs committed there. So uh, from what I'm hearing, um, the staff seems to kind of like Alan Hay. I think he's a guy who's moved up the board. Uh, they're going to have a need at, at, at defensive tackle. So I kind of wrote about this. I think it was last week that I wouldn't be surprised if uh, by, I don't know, really maybe June or July, I have him crystal balled to Miami. Um, Gabby, I know you, do you remember, uh, Alan from, from the Under Armour camp? Yeah. Alan was actually someone that I was talking to. I was talking to someone like people next to me about like, they're like, he, I was watching him rep and had the big sheet, like the four page sheet of that's front and back full of names. And I kept kind of going back and it's like, you know, there's so many numbers. So I would see him rep a couple times and then I'd have to go back and be like, Oh, who is this kid? And I remember going back to his name like three times. Oh, okay. Alan. Hey, Alan. Hey. And at, at the time I didn't even really re- like, I didn't realize that my, that he had offered him. Like I'd never really heard of Alan Hay at the time, but he's someone that after the camp, I kind of went and dug a little bit deeper about and, you know, figured out that there's some Miami interest there. And then just talking to you, and then, I mean, he, he ended up being a kid that I was just that I left impressed with without even realizing that he was like kind of like a, a big D1 guy or like a Miami caliber guy. So, I mean, I think that that's someone that's I think that he has has a lot of potential there. And if Miami, I mean, if Miami likes him, I'm game just from from the few reps that I saw him take. All right. Coming up after the quick break, we're going to talk Derek King, uh, Quincy Roche, and maybe about how this coronavirus Dead period, no contact period is actually helping Miami. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey all right we're back from that quick uh sponsors break advertisement i don't know the people that sign my paycheck say we have to take those those advertisement breaks so that's that's why we're doing it um gabby one thing that our colleague david lake wrote about a few days ago that I found really interesting. And I think you even commented on the message board about it is Derek King, uh, Miami's quarterback transfer, who we all believe will be the starter. Uh, he is getting a lot of love in the gambling world when it comes to Heisman odds. Um, according to DraftKings, King opened it, or he had the fourth best preseason odds out of any player in the country to win the 2020 Heisman. Uh, it was plus 900. So if you bet $100, he wins. You get $900 for those unfamiliar with how uh, 
those odds work. And uh, right now, I believe, let me find it, um, 6% of the money is on uh, Derek King, and that is according to William and Hill. So that might not sound like a lot, but a ton of money has been poured in on Trevor Lawrence um, and, and Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. So it seems like a lot of people or odds makers or just the, the general betting public is a big believer in De'Ara King. And I've touched on it in the past in this podcast. I, I am as well. Um, I think we, me, me and David try to start the hype train. Uh, I was wondering, Gabby, what, what were your thoughts on De'Ara after getting a chance to watch him through those first four practices of spring before the NCAA and really the ACC shut things down? I mean, I, I was really impressed. It's kind of hard not to be not to be really impressed just because, I mean, like I remember, I think it was the first day of spring practice. We were they're kind of like walking us off, like they were trying to like not let us like watch or whatever it is that they're doing. And he just rattled off like four straight completions, like back yeah. to back to back, like day one, like he was on it. And then the I think it was the following day where they opened up the whole practice. He threw that he threw that bomb to to D Wiggins with Christian Williams in coverage, and you know he then I just saw him. Well, first of all, first of all, it was a perfectly placed ball. It was just a beautiful throw. It was it was absolutely great. And then like my favorite part of all of it was like he you just see Derek King like sprinting down the field like he like he, it was pretty much uh, D Wiggins, Christian Williams, and then Derek King who met D Wiggins in the end zone like jumped up was super hyped. So I mean I just feel like those leadership characteristics of just like building that like so early on, especially like you know the second day of spring to already be making plays like that and kind of just standing out the way he did with this new offense and all of that i mean it, it just stood out to me uh, i i get the hype i i believe the hype i think the kid's amazing i think you just go back and watch a tape like if you go back and watch a tape from houston it's just like the kid's stupid like you can like he, you leave him unaccounted for like he's just taking off on you so i just think he's a really really special talent i, I think that he's a great leader i think that he's showed all those characteristics and i think i, I like that he's kind of like I, from like the first time we spoke to him in that press conference where he stepped up to the podium, you could just tell he has like that quiet confidence. And I think that's something that, that really stood out to me. And I think that's something that this program really needs. So I'm super excited about him. I was impressed with him every time he, he was throwing the ball. And he's a little small, you know, like there's no denying that he's definitely small. But I mean, with the modern quarterback, especially in college football, I mean, if, if he can make it work and he can make plays, then, you know, the, the team's going to go a long way. It's funny you bring up that that sequence from practices because uh, I don't know if you were reading my notes or listen to my podcasts or uh, read what I write but I, I, the same thing stood out to me he had that those four passes and I guess that was like a seven on seven type setting and then he had a couple deep balls uh, in that Tuesday session and I, I said it right away like I had never seen in, in my few years covering the team someone make a throw like that um, out at, at Green Tree and then when you talk with people inside the program and the the general consensus is like, Hey, this guy's a dude. Um, and does, does that mean like he's going to go win the Heisman trophy? I, I, who, who knows, but I haven't heard this much confidence or anyone inside those football offices feeling that good about a quarterback, like at Miami in a while. So I think it's promising. Um, one other thing I, I should point out here is I said that most of the money for the Heisman is on Trevor Lawrence. Now um, don't blame anyone. I had a, a Trevor Lawrence ticket last year that I placed in the Bahamas that did not cash. Um, uh, Kyle Trask has 21% of the money. Um, 
and and the reason why is because he's plus three thousand. So if you bet bet one hundred, you win three thousand dollars. So I think a lot of gamblers are probably probably feeling like, like they uh they're getting some good value there. So um it seems like Las Vegas likes De'Ara King, which is insane because we haven't even seen him take a snap in a Miami uniform. But uh, I guess the hype is real. Yeah, I think the I think the hype's real. I think that I mean just like like what I say, just going. But you just watch the tape and it's just. He pops. He pops. I, I I definitely see why why he would be up there. I think it's it's intriguing with this new offense. I think that I mean I think I just think there's a lot of potential there. And I think I mean if, if Vegas doesn't miss by much, you know. Like if Vegas is putting him up there, then you know there there's something there's something that that either people around the country don't know yet or don't fully believe yet. But I think that there's something going on in Coral Gables. And if you're saying that the intel from inside the, the program is that he's a, he's a dude. And I, I love to hear that. I, I honestly just love that term. Just like he's a dude. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I think everyone else should be excited. I think it's the real deal. I think he's the real deal. I think that this offense should be much, much improved with him. And I mean, I, I, I just can't wait for everyone else to see, you know, like at the end of the day, I just want to see, I just want to see some points. I want to see some fireworks on offense, and I think we're going to get that. Uh, yeah, the the one crazy stat that David Lake also wrote about is King enters will enter this 2020 season, assuming we have one, fingers crossed, knock on wood or whatever you got to do, uh, riding a 15-game streak of scoring at least one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. So he's thrown for one and ran for one. That's an FBS record. Um, previous owner of that record was Tim Tebow. Uh, who did it for 14 straight games. So that to me is a little, I feel like not many people would know that if you did like a college football uh, trivia show. And that's, that's a pretty interesting stat, I think. That's a, that's a crazy stat. That, that, that really is a crazy stat. Just like, you just think about, you think about what that means. Like, I mean, it's just, he's, he, he attacks you in both ways consistently, you know, like it's not like one game, he's going to pop off as a runner. The next game, he's going to pop off as a passer. It's like, he's going to attack you with both. You need to account for both. And I think that creates space for, for the rest of Miami's playmakers. You know, there's a lot of really talented skill position guys. And if you have guys, if you have, especially like in the front seven, you have line, a linebacker that's consistently focused on just what the quarterback's going to do. I think that opens space up for the tight ends that opens up space for, for like the faster receivers for like a Mark Pope for all these guys. And, I just think that overall, it's just going to help. It's it's going to help everybody in in more ways than people realize that he's so dangerous with both. And I think another stat that he put up was like he averaged like he himself averaged like 27 points per game or something like that. Like I just thought that that was ridiculous. He's like James Harden on a football field. <laughs> well, I mean, my big theory is if Miami can score 28 points a game, uh, this program's in a lot different spot uh, or standing, and that's just a touchdown a quarter. So that's a that's a good sign. Um, I know you saw this because you texted us uh, about it in, in the little group chat we got. Uh, ESPN rolled out, I, I guess it was um, some some rankings. or They, they try to rank all the, the top edge rushers in, in the class of 2022. And to much surprise, the nation's number one ranked pass rusher is Quincy Roche uh, out of Temple, who, who transferred to Miami. Uh, you kind of texted us saying uh, over Greg Russo, kind of crazy, right? That like Miami, it, it, that Roche is the guy and, and Greg Russo is not the number one guy, according to ESPN. 
Yeah, that's my thing. Like, I feel like just on this team, like you, like Quincy Roche, like it's not, it's not a knock on him, but Quincy Roche is kind of seen as a compliment to Greg Russo. But then ESPN is, is throwing out national recognition, like national, <laughs> like number one overall pass rusher is Quincy Roche, who is like, again, like the perception here, I feel like he's almost like he's Greg Russo's counterpart. You know, he's there to compliment Greg Russo. So I just think that it's absolutely wild that that one that Greg Russo isn't even on the list which is which is just like is honestly it's I, I was speechless it's just like who like someone has to be doing their homework you know it's not even like okay Greg Russo is like you know this gritty guy who was just able to like you know he's had a big year he's got a lot of heart or it's like no this dude's like six seven like 260 and he's just like I'm like he, he is like the definition of what you want in a pass rusher there's like he played in limited snaps like I think I saw the I think in that in that David Lake article, he said that PFF didn't great didn't give Russo's like a starter snaps like quote unquote starter snaps until game five. So you're telling me that this kid had 15 and a half sacks in what is it in eight nine games of truce of yeah. truly starting like like it's just wild like the fact that that the ESPN article just kind of overlooked that and just completely left him off the list is is ridiculous. But I do think Quincy Roche is awesome. I think I think like just. I was watching his highlights once he committed to once he committed to my honesty before when I heard he was visiting Miami, I was like, okay, who the heck's this Quincy Roche guy? And you know, like he he's amazing. Like he obviously is extremely talented and he pretty much gets to the quarterback at will. But I mean, at the end of the day, my what I result to or resort to is just him and Greg Russo, it's just gonna be stupid. Like it, it's just gonna be stupid. Like I just can't even imagine like having like just being an offensive coordinator and waking up and realizing, holy crap, I have to stop Greg Russo on one end on one side and then the quote unquote number one pass rusher in the country on the other end. And then you think just think about the rotation and all that and it's just it, it it's really wild to think about. You you mentioned the rotation. That's what I was gonna bring up. Like my my hot take coming out of those first four practices or or the take I had in my head is I wouldn't be surprised if it's Greg Russo and and Jalen Phillips as the two ends and uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming it'll probably be Roche and, and Russo now, just given that that Phillips won't get those uh, really 11 other practices. I mean, you get 15 practices allowed in the spring. He only got four of them. I think out of pretty much anyone um, on the roster that's that was on campus, like Jalen Phillips needed those just because he hadn't played competitive football. Um, so that 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 sucks. But yeah, it's it's kind of weird. And then I. Uh, there was a video that I think Nesta Silvera put up of uh, him and Greg Russo training during this this quarantine, and like Russo was running the bags, or he, no, he was doing some footwork drills, and it was like him, Nesta Silvera, and then Andrew Chatfield, who is a, a edge rusher at at Florida, and Russo just moves like freaky. Like I I don't want to turn this into you know, us just showing all this love for, for Greg Russo. But if you can find that clip, I, I don't know if it was on Instagram or whatnot, just the natural balance uh, of Russo and how big he has gotten is is scary. Um, I, I think he's he's only going to be in store for a monster season, and and he should definitely play his way into an early draft pick. Yeah, I think I think the I think the early draft pick is pretty much a shoe in. I mean, I just think like everything you, you you see it every time he's on the field like he even did it from the inside like the interior defensive line last year at times you know like early in the season they would i think it was against florida actually they put like where he got his first sack like they like it was a third down like the third down defense they put russo at like 
on the interior defensive line and he made a play from there. So I just think that his versatility, like given everything and, you know, his background as a wide receiver and a safety, you know, I think like it gives him that, that balance where he's comfortable with his size. A lot of people would be a lot clumsier at that size, but I think that background where he's played skill positions before has really given him an, an advantage to be, to be a pretty dominant edge rusher. That's my favorite package. They got the one you mentioned where he, he's lined up over center. I think they called it uh, the bandit package. Um, and from my understanding, they're changing that up in 2020. Uh, it's going to be Russo out on the edge, Jalen Phillips in there, uh, Jalar Hawley, I think, is going to be the interior lineman. And then they got, they got like seven defensive backs on the field. Or Holy at least crap. that's a look. Yeah, they, they showed that look in the spring. Who knows if uh, they're going to do that. But I think if you're a Miami fan, you should be eager to see that package. Um, last thing I want to get into, Gabby, I was kind of thinking about this. You know, this quarantine is unfortunate for pretty much every college football team in, in the country. I mean, uh, the players are away from campus. Uh, there's limited contact they can have with coaches. Some kids are home. They don't have the proper weights to train. They're, they're not getting the proper nutrition. Um, and, and this has been hashed out everywhere else. Everyone's talked about it. I mean, we're, what, three or four weeks into this thing. But something I wanted to, to bring up is I think if you're Miami – this is kind of benefiting you in terms of the first couple of games in the season. I mean, Miami doesn't really open up. I mean, they play Temple, and then it's what, UAB, Wagner. But that week four game is, is a trip up to East Lansing. And I was just talking with someone about this, and they brought up the point that Michigan State, you know, they changed head coaches. Uh, they, they, they brought in Mel Tucker, who was from Colorado, but Mel Tucker only really got two or three weeks on campus before all his players had to go home. And I think that's that's absolutely huge um, if, if you're Miami. Like, if you are a first-year coach, you want to get around your guys as much as you can, um, change that culture, let them know what you're all about. And I think Mel Tucker and, and the Spartans are at a real disadvantage. And I think that, that in a way, is going to help Miami – um, come September. Yeah, I think I think for, I think you hit it on the head there. Like, what's really what's Michigan State really doing right now? You know, like how much are they really going to learn about like you know the culture that that Mel Tucker is trying to implement? Like, while like through Zoom, you know, there's o- there's only so much you can do, and so Michigan State's not going to get together as a team for the first time. I mean, if everything does clear up till the summer, and at that point, it's like. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you need to get done. I feel like especially for a first-year head coach, like spring is so, so important. And especially Michigan State, that was kind of really late into the game with 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 um, their head coach like, kind of retiring or yeah, stepping D'Antonio, down. Yeah, yeah D'Antonio, Mark D'Antonio, he just like stepped down at a really like weird, awkward time. And so they didn't really have like that time where, you know, they could at least get like the meetings and all that stuff beforehand and really just like kind of start implementing everything before spring practice starts you know, like for the ideal amount of time, you know, like Manny Diaz hired, it was December that we hired Manny Diaz. Like that's kind of like the time where all that stuff happens. So I think Michigan State's in a really, really awkward spot. That's kind of a game that I was worried about. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think Miami has to be feeling good. I think Miami has to feel be feeling really good with the way this, ke- this schedule opens up, especially compared to last year with all the awkward bye weeks and, you know, opening up at, like, pretty much on the road twice. Uh, I think that there's a, I think that there's an opportunity there for Miami to to start off really, really strong, and a, a big road win at Michigan State would 
would be a great way to, to kind of step into ACC play. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, you know, everyone's dealing with this. Um, but I think if you're Manny Diaz and you're sitting there and you realize I need every single win I can get uh, in 2020 if I want to be around in, in 2021. And the first road game is is at Michigan State and Michigan State is is behind the eight ball. I mean, compared to everyone else. So I just think that was some note, something that just kind of crossed my desk. And I was like, hey, this should this should probably be pointed out that. Miami is going to have somewhat of an advantage heading into that game. And I think somewhere um, someone released an early line. Uh, I don't know which book it was, but they had Michigan State as a three-point favorite right now over Miami. Uh, let me find somewhere I can punch a ticket in there because I'm taking yeah. the, the Hurricanes, uh, especially if you're spotting me a field goal. Yeah, I think so too. And honestly, Michigan State, it's not like Michigan State's been great the last couple of years either. I, like... I, it was before. It's it's been a while since I really looked it up, but I think from what I last remember, Michigan State's lost at least three or four home games a year for the last two years. So it's not even like going to East Lansing. You know, they're not like the you, you know they're not the Rose Bowl Michigan State Spartans that that won it a, a few years back. Like this is a program that's going through their own things as well. Like this is their own program that's kind of going through a transition period as well. And then you you also throw into the fact that everything that you've said how they're behind the eight ball. Like you know all this stuff. Mel Tucker's coming in and Mel Tucker, you know he didn't have that all that great of a first year at Colorado either. You know like he was I think he was a defensive coordinator. Yeah. yeah, five and seven at Colorado, you know, like there's a chance that Michigan State really takes a couple of years to get going. And then you also add on top everything that we've been talking about. It's it, it just sets up for like some, a, a favorable situation. Like you said if Miami has any advantage at all, like they have uh, maybe a slight advantage because of the practices. But I mean, structurally, the Miami should definitely be feeling good about going into into that game. All right, man. What uh, what what do you got on on tap for Easter weekend in this weird state we live in currently? Oh man, um, honestly, I don't know. Probably just hang out, man. Uh, you know, just kind of like how I've been doing every Sunday, just watching church kind of virtually. You know, just taking in taking in the whole season, spending time with my, with my fiance, with my family, with kind of we're kind of bouncing around houses. Like I'm kind of like I go, to, I stay at her house for for a couple of days and then we bounce over to my house or I'll bounce over to my house. And so just kind of spending time with here with her family. And then I'll try to go back, maybe have breakfast with, with my parents and kind of see how, kind of see how that all goes. But I'm, you know, regardless, I'm, I'm grateful for the season and grateful for the time I get to spend with my family, grateful that I'm healthy and all that stuff. So uh, we'll make it work. With, however it, it turns out being. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll be an interesting time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to smoke a, smoke a ham on on my uh my nice. grill so i'm i'm fired up about that gonna have some wine it it should be a good one but uh glad we could get you on the pod introduce you to um everyone that listens and and i'm sure we'll have you back on here uh moving forward absolutely man thank you for thank you for having me on all right guys that'll do it we'll talk to you later all right guys